it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Twitchy Dolphin Media presents Let's Get Two. It's baseball from sea to shining sea by the team that brings you home. And now your host, James Christopher. And welcome to Let's Get To. I am your host, James Christopher, and we have a fun show for you today because today we're heading out west to the home of Mo Green, Las Vegas, and your Las Vegas Aviators. But before we go, it's that time of year again. It's time for the Dottie Award nominations. Now, the Dottie Awards are our way to recognize the awesomeness that is minor league baseball. Named for Dottie Wilson from the epic movie A League of Their Own, we give out awards to all levels of minor league baseball, and we also give out some special awards named for some of our favorite people like Ben Hill, Eric Mertens, Emma Tiedemann, and Don Gillingham. It's just our way of giving back with an awesome-looking belt buckle so we can celebrate the sport we love. So without further ado, some Dottie Award nominees. Starting with the Collegiate Summer League Team of the Year, the nominees are the Casper Spuds, the Spearfish Sasquatch, the Pinefield Porcupines, the DC Bombers, the Vermont Mountaineers, and the Vermont Lake Monsters. Nominees for Independent Team of the Year, the Evansville Otters and Idaho Falls Chuckers. Nominees for Single-A Team of the Year are the Columbia Fireflies, Daytona Tortugas, Fredericksburg Nationals, Inland Empire 66ers, and Peoria Chiefs. Nominees for Double-A Team of the Year are the Corpus Christi Hooks, the Erie Seawolves, the Hartford Yard Goats, and the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Our nominees for Triple-A Team of the Year are the Buffalo Bisons, the Las Vegas Aviators, the Memphis Redbirds, the Nashville Sounds, the Round Rock Express, the Salt Lake Bees, and the Omaha Storm Chasers. And our nominee for Brand of the Year are the Rocket City Trash Pandas, the Nashville Sounds, the Erie Seawolves, Hartford Yard Goats, Fredericksburg Nats, the DC Bombers, and the Las Vegas Aviators. And now our last nomination preview for Best Theme Night Brand or Look, the Corpus Christi Blue Ghosts, the Erie Pepperoni Balls, the Nashville Hit City, the Erie Seawolves Star Wars Night, the Omaha Runzas, Austin Senators, Syracuse Shot Clocks, and Hartford Whalers Nights for the Yard Goats. So again, like I said, we have a great show for you today. We are heading out to Vegas just like Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and you know, Fredo Corleone, depending on your taste. I think a couple of those guys ended up doing better than Fredo did. Just saying. But we're really looking forward to the game, getting out to see the Aviators. Jessica and I are going. And we're also bringing a producer of our yet-to-be-named show, Alicia Rivera. You would know her if you've seen any of our films or been to our film festival. And we're very excited to be bringing her boyfriend and mega Mets fan, Roy Hack. It's going to be the first time he gets to step foot on a professional baseball field. Like I said, this is going to be fun, so stay with us. On the St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis I'm, team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. You know the fellas' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yeah. I mean, the fellas... Who's on first? Who? The Let's the Get Two Team of the Week. And welcome back to Let's Get Two's Who's On First segment. And we're out here at the Las Vegas ballpark. So who's on first? It's your Las Vegas Aviators. 
And welcome back to Who's On First. I'm James Christopher, and this is not my first time to watch baseball in the great city of Las Vegas. Sin City baseball is not a new thing for me. But it seems like a galaxy far, far away when I went out to see the Las Vegas 51s at Cashman Field. So in 2023, we jumped into the cockpit with Jessica, Lish, and Roy, and we were catapulted into the future of baseball at Las Vegas Ballpark, home of your Las Vegas Aviators. Now, Vegas has had a great collection of local groups in its history. I mean, who can forget the Rat Pack? But this time, it's all about the Vegas Local 9, and it's the Aviators who are on first. Now, there's lots of great architecture in Vegas. The casinos on the Strip are impressive as all get-out. But instead of the sounds of slot machines ringing, we're headed out to the Las Vegas ballpark where the sounds of bats are cracking. Now, walking into the ballpark, you get that Vegas feel right away. It's exceptionally cool that the CVB got the naming rights of the park. It makes it feel more like a part of the community and not awkward like when you get some corporate sponsor on the park, like Chevron Field or something. And now we're celebrating the 40th year of minor league baseball in Sin City, and it's time for the Aviators to take the field. And who else but against our old friends, the Sugarland Space Cowboys, they're in town for a PCL showdown. You can tell the architects behind the Las Vegas ballpark had in mind the idea that they were going to create something iconic when they put these plans together. It's really a terrific space to see a game. Now, seeing as how my current backyard is basically just brown straw, don't light a match, I don't know how they keep the field this green in this heat, but the grounds crew are clearly doing the Lord's work. And I just love, 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 love the Las Vegas ballpark sign in left field. It looks great spread across the field right next to one of the best scoreboards in all of baseball. And you get a great view of the sign in the scoreboard and the game itself in the most innovative seats ever. They're mesh, so they get to breathe in that 110 degree heat. Can you imagine the back sweat if it was all plastic? I can, and it's gross. In the concourse, you have a one-of-a-kind glass building that houses the suites and the club level. It looks like a spaceship. It's my favorite kind of spaceship, the kind with air conditioning. Yes, it's hot in Vegas. Now, speaking of the club level, it's a great place to hang out and see the game. It's got a wide open bar, friendly staff, and some great before game entertainment. Trust me, she can sing. Now, for all the new, the baseball past is very rich in Vegas. 40 years of playing baseball will do that for you. And we asked the director of media relations for the Aviators, Jim Gemma, about the history of Vegas's Local 9 and why it's important. It seemed like we changed our logo every 18 years. That was kind of the joke because we're the Las Vegas Stars from 1983 to 2000, the 51s from 2001 through 18, and we had affiliations along the way. Now, the Aviators are owned by the Howard Hughes Corporation. Howard Hughes, of course, being a famous pioneer in both flight and film. So we asked Jim a little bit about the process to adapt a team that felt more in line with one of the favorite things that Howard Hughes had in his life. When Wilpons bought Syracuse, obviously it made more sense to go back in the International League, but we had a great thing with the Mets. We had so many great players here. We were so fortunate to have Jacob deGrom all the way to Brandon Nimmo to Alonzo. It's, you know, it's a great trivia question. Pete Alonzo hit the last pitch in Cashman Field history for a two-run walk-off home run. And uh, you're talking about, it's, it's pretty odd. It was a storybook ending. So 36 years at Cashman, and then 
we knew we were going to lose the Mets because of that. So we had a total rebranding. Howard Hughes Corporation is a great ownership. 2020, they paid all their employees the whole year during the pandemic. And they didn't have to do that. I understand they're a corporation, but yeah, I know I'm employed by them, but that needs to be said uh, for them to pay all the employees during the pandemic when basically the minor league baseball got destroyed that year. I'm, I'm forever grateful for that. And when you get older, you appreciate it more. We rebranded with a brand new ballpark and then changed the name from 51s to Las Vegas Aviators after Howard Hughes. He, he was an aviator and this is a great uh, aviation state anyway with Nellis Air Force Base. It just made a lot of sense to do it that way. Then the ballpark opened in 2019 and here we are, we all got through 2020. So this is our third year being back full season. New ball club name, new ballpark. How have the fans received the Aviators? Hopefully they're gonna finish strong and average 7,000 a game and hit that 500,000 mark in back-to-back -back seasons. I think that'd be something to be uh, really proud of from uh, the front office standpoint. With MLB's focus on MILB and its need to improve facilities in older parks, where does the Las Vegas ballpark stand with players? Even the first year when Matt Olson was here on a rehab and Chris Bassett, actually Chris Bassett was the starting pitcher on our opening night in a rehab. But I heard the players say this, that clubhouse nicer than half the clubhouses in all of Major League Baseball. So the player amenities was really important that a lot of people don't see that. 40 years. Now, where do the aviators fit in this new growing sports landscape of Las Vegas? This year, because it was our 40th anniversary season, and this is the Calendar-wise, it's the 41st season. The anniversary season is 1983 to 2023, so that's why we've had a few 1983 Las Vegas Stars throwback games because they only wore it for one year with the star in the front, and they changed the uniform types. But we've had some uh, stuff with, you know, the 51s is on the uh, scoreboard, too, with all the different logos we had because it was with us for 18 years when we were with the Padres, and then we were with the 51s for 18 years, you know, with the Dodgers, uh, the Blue Jays, and the Mets. We need to embrace that. We're the longest running professional sports franchise here in the state of Nevada. We kind of got this ball rolling for all these sports that are here. Obviously, Major League Baseball, they're not stupid. They've seen that we've been very successful and uh, we draw very well. And this, this, is a, this is a baseball town more than anything. In all due respect, uh, the basketball side uh, doesn't like when they hear that, but all I have to say is Chris Bryant, Bryce Harper, Bryson Stott, Joey Gallo, Paul Seawald. It goes on and on and on. Now, as we parted ways with Jim, I had to get his take on what other brands in minor league baseball really work for him. Well, I think the team in even our own league, uh, Pacific Coast League, the El Paso Chihuahuas, kind of got hammered for that name, but they're they're getting the last laugh and everything with all the different ways that they do things there in El Paso. They, they do a great job. I, I love the names in minor league baseball. When we first did the Aviators logo, people, oh, that's an Ant-Man. And No, it's a futuristic aviator with the Red Rock Canyon is a reflection off the goggles. But that's the aviance of minor league baseball. You got the Lansing lug nuts and it goes on and on. I mean, that's what's cool kind of about minor league baseball that lack of a better word, all the crazy uh, nicknames. Aviators isn't crazy, but El Paso Chihuahuas do a great job with their brand. Now, there are some things that I'm very much in love with, things that I wear with my heart on my sleeve. Baseball, dogs. So what happens when you combine some of them? You get the best thing ever to come out of baseball? Well, ever. The Bat Dog. I was an am enthralled with Finn the Bat Dog. He's a very good boy. And I think I shot about 30 minutes of him running around getting bats. Again, just a very good boy. 
Eating and drinking at the Vegas ballpark is a key part of the experience. And one of the coolest things they do that I've never seen before is a burger based on the opposing team that changes every homestand. For this round, it was the Space Cowboy Burger consisting of chili, cowboy caviar, cheddar, cheese, jalapenos, and crispy onions. Let's just say Lish loved it. Now for me, it's 100 plus degrees and I was all about the frozen treats. And remember everyone, there's always money in the banana stand. So walking around the ballpark with Roy, it was a blast. He was like a kid in a candy store and that's what baseball's all about, bringing out the kid in all of us. And it's about connection. We met up with some of our friends that just randomly happened to be there. Tim and his son. Garrett Green, who we met in Biloxi, is now the voice of the Space Cowboys. It creates a great space to really get to share something special with your unofficial sister, as well as the woman who makes your world go round. There are a few things I like better than a baseball sky. That perfect sunset with the sky turning from blue to pink to the only light coming from the field. And with the mountains going down beyond the outfield walls, you get all the colors as the sun goes down on another night of the greatest game ever invented. Now, whatever the future holds for Vegas and baseball in the area, the future of the sport is safe at Las Vegas Ballpark. They've been doing it for 40 years, three identities, and the game just keeps growing and growing in the desert. So, Las Vegas Aviators, here's to 40 more. Raiders of the Lost Diamond, digging into baseball's past. In 1983, the Portland Beavers rolled the dice, bet the house, and moved to Vegas where they became stars. And I don't mean lounge singers, I mean the Las Vegas Stars, the AAA club for your San Diego Padres. Now the Stars went chips in on their first winning season, winning the first half championship, only to lose the title to the Albuquerque Dukes. The next year, they repeated the feat, but their season would end up in a black hole of disappointment after losing to the Hawaiian Islanders. They hit the jackpot in 86 when the Stars went on to beat the Phoenix Firebirds and then the Vancouver Canadians to claim the Pacific Coast League title. In 01, Vegas bid adieu to the Padres and became the AAA affiliate of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And just like that, that's right, a new identity descended upon Sin City and pulled the entire population up to the mothership in the form of the excellently designed Las Vegas 51s, of course named for Area 51, a place that we all know doesn't actually have real aliens. That was a wink for those of you just listening to the show. Now, for as cool as this name is, and it is the coolest, it wasn't the most successful squad at the beginning with only two winning seasons in the first eight. Now, in 13 and 14, they loaded up the Ray Guns, rallied to reach the PCL title, only to be turned away. And at this point, the lead alien was Wally Backman. Yes, that's right, him. Catcher, get out of the way! Get out of the way! Now, in 2017, a new stadium was approved, and in 19, just like Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum did to the mothership with the virus, the 51s were replaced by the Las Vegas Aviators, named in reference to flight pioneer Howard Hughes. Now, I actually have a story about me attending a Las Vegas 51s game, so indulge me just for a second. 
So before I became everyone's favorite minor league baseball show host, I had a prolific and successful career in independent film, a career that took me to film festivals literally all over the world, and one that took me to a festival several years in a row that started in L.A. and eventually landed in Vegas, just like the 51s. Now, this festival was less than scrupulous, integrity was not one of the cornerstones of the festival, and one of the things that they did that really bothered me was, one, having several different award ceremonies and charging filmmakers three digits to attend. And they would, of course, spread nominations around all of them, so if you wanted to say how you did in the festival as a whole, you had to attend all three. Now, I go in 2017, and I landed literally as Harvey was hitting Houston, and I got there a little late because flights and all this stuff, and... I essentially snuck in to one of the award ceremonies um, without paying the 150 bucks. I knew I was winning Filmmaker of the Year at this festival, and I knew that they were therefore going to not make me pay to go to the second award ceremony. Or maybe it was the third. Yeah, it was the one in the middle that I ended up skipping because I heard about the Las Vegas 51s and I absolutely had to check it out, went to the ballpark, had a great time. It was Ghostbusters night. It was so much fun. So I get back to the hotel of the festival. It's held in some casino just off the strip and I run into Scott McIntyre of this show and one of our very good friends, Mark Manus, who's a filmmaker out of Tennessee, I believe it's Tennessee. And Mark, being a big University of Arkansas fan, me being a graduate at University of Texas, had agreed to accept anything that I might win because I couldn't be there. And he was, of course, going to come up with some anti-Texas joke, and he's very excited about it. So I get back, and we're all hanging out at the bar. And then it dawns on me, I was like, I don't know how I did. So I said, Mark, how did you do? And he kind of got embarrassed to tell the story. So here is what happened. Again, I'm at a Las Vegas 51s game. I'm doing my thing. There are pictures on Instagram. I end up winning a really prestigious award in that particular award ceremony. Forgot what it was. And they announced my name. And then the festival runner says, although we just found out that James Christopher is at a baseball game. So the real winner is. So he announced my name at the festival and then took the award away from me at the festival and then gave it to the person who came in second, all at the festival, all in public, basically making two filmmakers feel like crap as opposed to just, I don't know. Uh, so it really was indicative of the classlessness of the organization and how I gave up a really big film festival award all for minor league baseball. So to say the least, it was definitely one of my most surreal experiences in my entire filmmaking career. And now, on to close it out, the right-hander from Houston, Texas, James Christopher. All right, guys, it does wrap up this episode of Let's Get To. And y'all, there are ballparks... And then there's the Las Vegas ballpark, home of your Las Vegas Aviators, Las Vegas Stars, and sometimes the Las Vegas 51s. There's a difference between ballparks. They're not all equal, and this one is one of the absolute best. There's about another week worth of home games left. You've got to get out here, and if you can't get out here this year, 
next year. Put it on your must visit. And when you get here, I got some advice for you. Get you some peanuts. Get you some Cracker Jack. And most importantly, let's get to. Let's get to. Presented by Twitchy Dolphin Media. Creative director, Jessica Bybee-Jedgetts. Written, directed, and hosted by James Christopher. Executive producers, Andy Tom Chesson and Scott McIntyre. Produced by Andrew Nelson, Eric Mertens, Jess Canaster. Commentary by Gary C. Warren, Emily Nyman, Paul Caputo, Ed Rivera. Music by Grace Usselman, On Holiday. All trademarks of the teams covered on this episode are the property of those teams. Look for more content from Twitchy Dolphin Media and the Let's Get To family, including... Go Go Astros, Fanboy 76, Yell Fight Suey, Jerseyed, and Unboxed. This has been Let's Get To, baseball from sea to shining sea by the folks who bring you home.